Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Michelle Lene, and you're tuned in to Christ Over Culture, your destination for faith, news, and pop culture. I'm so excited because we are officially in 2021, and we have a special guest. I mean, I couldn't think of a more perfect way to kick off Black History Month other than with a boss, an attorney, or herself. You can probably hear in the background now. We have none other than attorney Kiana McGee of the McGee Law Firm. Hi, Kiana. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes. Okay. So I have to just say that I have been so impressed by everything that you put out in interwebs and on social media and just how you use your platform to inspire and to empower. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. The glory is all his. We already know. It's no problem. It's the least I can do. Yes. Okay. So today we're talking all things trademarks and you are the trademark queen. If anybody (laughs) has (laughs) <laughs> insight about trademarks is definitely you. So I thought that this would be a great way to kick off Black History Month in just the year with Christ Over Culture because a lot of people are intimidated when it comes to yeah. trademarks. And it's just because like we just don't know or they haven't known. I remember um, with Christ Over Culture kind of working through that process. And so I thought we start off just kind of breaking down what a trademark is yeah. um, for anyone who who doesn't know or it's just been confusing in this space. So what no, no problem. So without trying to use any legal jargon, tra- a trademark is something that is going to signal to your customers or to potential customers that this particular product or this particular service came from this particular place. So anytime you see the McDonald's wrapper or a Nike sweatshirt, you know, based off that symbol or that name, where that particular piece of product came from. And it's all because of that trademarked image that you see and that you want um, to be able to signal to the world that this came from this place or that this came from that place. So that is what the mark is. It's a trademark and it's the trade being the physical good or the service that you're extending mark and it's a mark that's leaving you know that's signifying that particular trade or good so um when people file a trademark they're seeking to get federal protection over that name so that anyone in the country won't be able to use that name to sell a similar type of product or a similar service and then confuse people to think oh well mine uses a capital z and they use a s or something like that it's way too close for comfort and if you don't want to have to navigate those waters of trying to you know, defend your name against people who are using it, but slightly change it. The trademark is hands down the way to go. Awesome. So I know that you have a website, Trademark My Stuff, and it's on social media. So what is the process of someone going about trademarking their stuff or their their good or stuff? So there's, there's about a four or five step process depending on um, where you're at in your brand. So whenever you're filing for a trademark or you're submitting a trademark application, you can submit it before you launch or you can submit it after you've launched. And, and you can, you know, some people want to protect the name before they ever put it out there anywhere, which is a very safe route, you know, and so they'll file it as what's called an intent to use application. And then there's others who have already been in business or already launched their brand and they found out about trademarking afterwards or they're just now able to afford to trademark it. And so they've launched and then trademarked it afterwards. And both are just fine. Um, but that process will, you know, kick off everything when you, when you submit the application. 
if you hire an attorney or a firm to do it for you, there's one pivotal step before that, before submitting the application is the research and just making sure that the name is actually available and that you're not going to find another mark that's already pending that has a very similar feel or a very similar sound or a very similar spelling um, that could come about and object to your application. So the research, the application, um, and then the examining attorney on the government side will review it and send any objections she has. Um, and then the final, one of the final steps is being published for opposition. And that's when the public at large will be able to say, hey, that's actually my name. I know she calls herself that, but I've been using this since 93 or whatever they want to say. That's their one time to speak up and say something. And then after that, if no one objects, you're good to go. But that's as an active use application. If you have an, in, in, an inactive use, like you haven't launched yet, but you intend to, the steps are still the same. But at the very end, after it's been published for opposition, now you have to either start using it or ask for an extended, extended amount of time to for the, so that you can start to use it, one or the other. But other than that, everything is usually the same at that point. Okay. And is this like a, in terms of months or years, you know, kind of what does that look like? Yeah. So it varies by mark. On average, we used to like to say it takes like six, seven, eight months. And that's with no issues whatsoever. If the examining attorney doesn't have any questions, nobody objects. It'd be about six, seven months. Now, thanks to COVID, it's longer than that. It's like nine months. Um, and it's, again, not just because of COVID, but the, the United States Patent and Trademark Office released a statement last year or late last year saying year of 2020, they received more than 20% than they've ever received in any year of a number of trademark applications. And so that's that's an, a significant growth that they weren't prepared for either. And I like to think that us Black folks has something to do with that because there's a lot more education going on in regard to our community about filing trademarks. And so I was very excited to hear that. But even with that, it's taken, you know, it's a, it takes, it takes a, a, a strong amount of people to be able to support that type of growth as well. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful too that it's black people taking advantage of this. And, I do too. And and doing it. So yeah. um, this makes me think about my process with trademarking. I'll get into that a little bit. Um but what are some of the costs that people should be prepared for? Yeah, so it ranges. It depends on whether or not you're gonna try to do it yourself, if you're gonna try to go through legal zoom or legal doom, whatever you want to call it, if you want to try to hire a firm or an attorney, it's completely the, the price ranges will always change. And the biggest issue is gonna be what all are you paying for? So when you go through a law firm or if you decide to go through a law firm or an attorney, you always wanna ask, is this going to cover me from start to finish? Or is there going to be more fees for me to pay after this? And if so, what are they? So that you're not intimidated and thinking like, oh, well, this attorney charges $700 and all that attorney is doing is submitting your application for you. That's it. So if the examining attorney has questions or you have to submit more evidence later on, there's going to be more and more fees. And you're like, well, I thought that was all included. And now you get another $500 invoice or another $700 invoice. And it was just kind of like, OK, I wish I would have known all of these things from the beginning. Or on the legal zone side, they can do a research for you, but they can't give you any legal advice on, as to what that research means. And then they'll submit the application for you, but they won't tell you whether or not the application is properly submitted. It was just submitted. Whatever information you gave them, that's what they submitted. And that's technically what you've paid them to do because they're not a law firm. They are a document processing company and you fill in the document, we'll submit it. And so, again, with LegalZoom, it might be $500 in that, and then you'll pay another, you know, $225 in filing fees or something like that. 
a law firm, it might range between eight, nine hundred dollars to five, six, seven thousand dollars. And it all just depends on what type of firm you go with and all of the objections that may come, you know, during your process. But I would highly suggest, you know, calling around and doing consultations with any firm that you want to work with so that you can go with the person that's best for your brand or best for your company and not just necessarily maybe the cheapest or maybe, you know, the coolest on Instagram, but the one that you truly think can serve you. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, you know, I can tell that you really, uh, you're really trying to tell people like, hey, educate yourself and and do your research and know that it can vary and that there are many different factors. It's not one size fit all Mm -hmm. necessarily. So I'm glad you brought that up. This So I mentioned, you know, kind of my own experience. So when I was filing a trademark specifically for Christ Over Culture at the time, um, and this was a couple years ago, I filed myself because I was looking at finances. I was like, I'm on a tight budget right now. So I literally just took a leap of faith and by the grace of God, you know, asked it, had no problems, but that's a risk. And think about the value of having a professional and, uh, since then, like I've worked with professionals and on uh, on different things. And I think that there's there's value there and being able mm-hmm. to do your research and do your due diligence, no matter kind of where you fall on the spectrum in terms of what you're able to afford or not. And those consultations, I think, are really important, too. Um, so yeah. I have filed it by myself. I will tell you, my heart was on the line for those <laughs> seven or eight, nine months, you know, um, through that process. But it makes me, you know, just value like having an expert and having like legal counsel and advice. So this makes me think about a video that you posted. I think it was sometime last year and you were talking about value and worth. And I think that you were increasing your prices at the time. And Mm -hmm. um, I know that with Trademark My Stuff is still really affordable. But can you just speak to, I guess, just the value of having kind of like counsel or at least someone who has like knowledge in the space? Like, can you just talk to why that's valuable for a person's business, no matter if they're trademarking or or handling other legal matters? Yeah, I think it's easy to try to like hear stories of other people who are like, oh, girl, you don't need no attorney or oh, girl, you you, I did, you know, and hope and wish and think that your situation is going to be the same. And it's probably not unless you have the same mark that they had or it looks very similar to what they had. Your legal process is probably not going to be the same as theirs if the situations don't mirror each other. And so the more catchy your name is or the more um, distinction distinction that your brand has, all of those things are factors into whether or not this is going to be a smooth process or a more difficult process. And so even though you may think you were the only one that came up with that, if there's a variation in there or even, you know, one that translates to the same words, but in a different language, you're not going to see that on the USPTO site. And so you're going to go, you're going to search, you're going to think it's available and it's not. And then you'll find out once the examining attorney, you know, reviews it and lets you know, like, hey, actually not available and then you'll go and hire an attorney at that point to try to respond back to your office action and no attorney wants to respond back to an office action that they didn't submit the application for so then they're charging you even more money and so there's always just a value again and just you know contacting them if for nothing else the the research phase to make sure this is not going to be a problem for me because if it doesn't work out and there are more issues after the fact you're going to pay even more than what you had to pay in the first place and of course, like I said, submitting the application is one thing, maintenance, 
fees that'll be due at year five or another thing. Will you know how to submit those things? It's just best to have someone on your side. If you're, you know, a busy person that's just like not trying to relearn a whole nother aspect, then I would highly suggest letting a professional do it for you. Okay. And you mentioned the office action uh, yeah. kind of in your comments. So what exactly is an office action? So yeah, an office action is when the examining attorney comes back and says, ah, I, I, I noticed this is wrong, or I found other marks that I think are very similar to yours. And now you have to defend yourself against whatever her findings were, or they won't approve your trademark. And that's annoying because a lot of us will try to just submit three sentences back like, oh, well, she sells lashes and I sell foundation. And that's not how it works at all. We, you have to pull case law and find different cases and say, okay, Johnson versus the state of Maryland, 1979 says that, you know, these two won't conflict with each other because whatever. And you have to be able to pull those out to respond. It's not just a one sentence, you know, definite, you know, definition that you can send over to her and say, see, lashes and makeup is two different things. Doesn't work that way. And so those are the aspects of it where it gets really sticky and it gets, you know, expensive if you didn't hire an attorney in the first place. Yeah, I can see that. I just think about like how a lot of Black women in particular, how we have like, we're taking over, you know, the beauty industry and lots yeah. of businesses. So I could easily see how that could be an issue, especially now. Yeah. You know, everyone being able to start digital businesses and putting their brands Exactly. And so, then even, you know, we'll look at it and say, okay, well, this person, she sells hair extensions. I don't sell hair, I do hair, right? And we think that those are two different things, but legally they're close enough related to where they'd still be a conflict for one another. So even if the names aren't exactly the same, if they're close enough and a client could think that they're related because they're somewhat, you know, in the same industry, that's still too close for comfort. And I'd rather you know that at the front end to where you can edit the name or add something to it instead of finding that out later on down the process. And now you have to refile and you won't get any money back. Yeah, that's an excellent point. So this makes me think about when a person should file a trademark. I know people do it at different times, but is there an optimum time to file a trademark? So it's really honestly best on that per that person's personality, in my opinion. So if you're the type that's been through five different brand names in the last two years, just hold tight. Just don't, don't <laughs> do it yet because I, it's such a long process that I don't want you to have changed your brand name before we even get to the end of this. And we can't go back and change the application's brand name, you know, three, four, five months into it. So if you know you've been through a lot of different brand names or projects or you were selling lashes, now you're selling waist trainers or you do coaching now, but you might do, I don't something completely different. No shame in figuring out which which lane is your lane. I just wouldn't, wouldn't want someone to invest that type of money into that brand if they're not sure where they're going to stay because it is an expensive and lengthy process. But if you're someone who's like been hoarding a name for so long and just been keeping it so close to the chest because you don't want someone to get it, but you won't launch it because you're afraid of someone taking it or you launched it, but you're like, up every day wondering and hoping someone doesn't take it, then it's an indication that it's time, it's time to trademark it. So like, and it really goes based off of personality to me. If you got it and you're like holding on to that baby so tight because you don't want someone to do it, please relieve your stress and just go file the trademark. If you've been through a couple of names, just hold tight. Don't don't do anything yet. Cause at this point you might switch up before then time. That time has come for this one to be finished. Oh my goodness. That's such a good point. I <laughs> I have been the person like, oh no, I'm I'm literally like 
sweating is someone going to take my right. so that's a good point you know a good gauge as to yeah yeah that's it. when you know yeah in that mm-hmm. person's personality so what are some common misconceptions about trademarks that that people have when they come to use a valid trademark so a lot of people think that because they have an LLC that that is a trademark and it's not that's usually the biggest one that we see is that people are under the belief because they filed an LLC in their state that they own that name, they're good to go. A LLC and a trademark are interchangeable and it's the same thing. And that could not be further from the truth. They're not, you know, and your LLC is only a document to let your state know that you're a business and they can expect your taxes from your business under that particular name. But if I have an LLC here in Michigan and someone else has the exact same LLC in Tennessee, Tennessee is not calling Michigan to say, hey, you got any LLCs by the name of such and such? They don't care. The states are in completely different jurisdictions. They don't care what the other state is doing. They're not checking with other states to see if there's a conflict. And so for a federal trademark is going to make sure that I get that protection that I want across the country to say, hey, if anybody else starts selling these types of products under this type of name, it's a problem and they're going to owe me money for doing so. But if I don't have that, You don't really have any legs to stand on if and when that happens, because you technically don't really own it yourself. You're not out of options completely, but it just makes your life a lot easier to have that in place from the beginning. Um, A second thing that I think a lot of people confuse is that when they do file a trademark, they think they own that name in every category under the sun. And so they don't want to see the word Christ over culture on anything. Don't put it on a hammer. Don't put it on anything. And it's kind of like... That would be nice, but that's just not how it works either. And so when you're filing, you have to select what type of products or services you're going to render under that brand name. And of course, they're not going to want someone to, if you file in in online videos, they're not going to also then allow someone else to do it under podcasts because those are, you know, closely related to streaming services. They're closely related. But if if you file it in online videos or podcasting and then I come and I say I want to make model airplanes under Christ over culture and it's a brand of commercial airline airs, airline airplane models that are going to come out, I could probably get a trademark with the same name to sell model airplanes or real airplanes for that matter, because those two things have nothing to do with each other. There's no way that people are going to be confused into thinking, oh, this is probably that brand that makes that podcast. Probably not, you know what I mean? And so it's like Dove Soap versus Dove Chocolate. They both have the same exact name. They both have a federal trademark, but they both sell completely different products. One sells soap, the other one sells chocolate. You don't see chocolate in the soap aisle. You don't see soap in the chocolate aisle. Nobody's going to get confused by the brands. And so just being able to be very specific about what you want to do with your brand what classes of services you want to file within so that, you know, you're, you're lo- you've locked in all the popular ones and, you know, the ones that you don't want someone else to use, but then not thinking that someone else might not be able to put that brand on a, um, on a trash can. And then you're like, Hey, that's my name. It's kind of like, yeah, that's not, that's not. Yeah, I think about like putting brands and I guess this kind of gets into goods and services. Like, a brand on a t-shirt versus a brand in a podcast. So I know with Mm -hmm. Christ Over Culture, we have both like on a shirt as well as um, in the media and entertainment Mm -hmm. space. And so if you could speak to that a little bit, because I think sometimes I remember thinking like, okay, I want to make sure that I'm picking whichever um, applicable 
I guess, categories, you know, mm-hmm. there are, but I think that sometimes there may be confusion around, okay, I have my name or I have this business and I can put it on a t-shirt, but I don't have to file a trademark for that. Can you kind of clear that up? If I would do it in any class that you don't want someone else doing it in though, either, you know what I mean? Okay. And, 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 you know, that you intend on using it in, but you know, if you don't, and apparel is one of the most competitive classes that there is, mm-hmm. but that's the easiest way for someone to use your brand is throwing it on a t-shirt, you know? So that's always a good one. Um, podcasting. We have a, a client of ours right now who, um, her name is girl plus guy, Crystal Lee. And um, she owns a, you know, a really popular clothing line and a girl who was in her coaching program now went and tried to file God plus girl under podcast. All you did was switch the words around and it's a completely different class. But the, the, again, that because the industry is so close knit, because the community of Christianity and media and Instagram is so close knit, when you hear girl plus God, it's an automatic connection to crystal lee obviously being on the radio in atlanta and the brand that she's created over the last you know seven or eight years and so to see this person you know come and try to file it under under podcasting now we have to pay to go and object to their application which we're going to but it's just the same thing as brands grow and expand it's best to file in you know those popular classes as well because as soon as it catches on somebody's going to try to be slick you know what I mean they're going to try it and you want to be able to defend yourself as best as possible yes I definitely know about people trying it (laughs) so I'm glad you mentioned that Mm -hmm. Um, okay this has been such a great you know, discussion and I'm sure people are writing notes. And if you're not writing notes, get your notepad out now because Kiana, you know, I think about how trademark my stuff has like grown over the years and, and um, you have your own business and you've been successful. And when I think about at the point that someone is ready to trademark, they have their business or their service, um, I want to get your take on, are there any things that, you know, that you know now that you would tell yourself starting out in business around either trademarking or just kind of setting yourself up for success as you think about your journey and where you can? Yeah. yeah, I think, of course, trademarking is always one. Before I went to law school, I didn't know anything about trademarking. And I went through my own experience of building a brand to six figures only to find out that this name is owned by somebody else. And I think that helped motivate me to then practice trademark law once I finished law school, because I know what that's like. So that's all always going to be one thing that I encourage people to, you know, become knowledgeable about at the very beginning. Um, but also on top of that, you know, once your brand starts growing, a lot of times we're very hesitant to bring other people on or to hire our first, you know, staff member. It doesn't have to be a part-time situation. It could even be, you know, I mean, a full-time situation. It could even be a part-time person. And we're very hesitant to do so because maybe money isn't that, you know, good just yet. It's, we barely get a couple of dollars. I don't want to have to split that with someone else. Um, but that was a big thing for us as we started to grow was saying like, hey, you can only tap out so much as one person. And even though it will cost you financially to invest in a second person, I hope and and have, have been able to not just double, triple or quadruple what you're able to produce by having more hands on, on the table, even if it's just rest in general, that you can't be the only one pushing this thing, you know, down, down the street every day. It ha- you have to have more hands at some point and not being afraid to hire that extra help when you need time. So 
For example, I just launched Prayers and Paper, a stationery company, maybe two weeks ago. And I already knew from Daughter of the King, the previous company that I had before I went to law school, that I do not enjoy packing orders. Like, that's just not something I enjoy ever in life. I don't want to go to the post office. I don't (laughs) want to do any of that. But how do you have a product-based business? And that's not something you do. You got to hire somebody to do it. And so I'll help. I'll come sit down there with you and put stickers on the boxes, but I don't want to pack. I don't want to pack. And so I now have one of my mentees come over three days a week, pack stuff. And I'm literally sitting there watching her do it. You know what I mean? Like I can do this myself. It ain't like she's saving me time because I'm down here sitting here with you talking just to keep you company, but still knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at and how to keep your sanity and know, okay, if this is not my area of genius, I can't I can't waste any time on that and allow yourself the the freedom and, and the flexibility of knowing like let somebody else do this because you're gonna end up paying for it in the long run, whether you're burnt out, whether you you know your company maxes out as far as growth is concerned, and now you can't get beyond this particular point because you don't wanna hire someone else. Yeah. So what's your greatest challenge? What's been your best victory in your great challenge? Let's start with victory first and then challenge. Um, victory is, I don't know, to be quite honest with you. I thought once I would be working for myself that that would be like the big, best thing. And it wasn't. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, the, it sounds like the balloon inflated. What did you Right. Because, you know, entrepreneurship is sexy now. Like that. Right. No, it wasn't. It didn't. It wasn't. I guess I missed the fireworks that day or something. (laughs) I don't know. But my mom works for the firm now and she makes more than, you know, than she ever has in her entire life working for our firm. And my brother started this past Monday as well, working full time. And he makes the same amount as money as I used to make when I my last year in law school when I was working a full-time job and that was with a four-year degree he ain't got no degree but anyway (laughs) I'm just saying that for me victory wise is being able to put other people on and being able to say okay cool my mom don't ever have to worry about finding a job my best friend don't ever have to worry about looking for a job my my little brother so there's six people now that work on our firm and that allows me to at least see the fruits of my labor in that sense to where if these ain't, if, if we never grow past where we're at right now, I'm content with that because it's like, boom, I told them, you know, our goal for this year isn't to do any more numbers than we did last year. If we hit the same numbers we did last year, I'm perfectly fine with that. And I would be super proud because the goal really isn't to continue to grow, 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 grow. It's just saying, okay, how many can I, how many can I employ at this point and, and keep my sanity? But how many can we employ and, and still be able to help other people. It's no longer about like a dollar amount or becoming, you know, a full-time entrepreneur or whatever. All of those things have come, but it's just kind of like at, at some point the goal had to change and it became, you know, how many others can I put on in the midst of this? Because I know he's not allowing all of this to happen just for me to just be rolling over in a cash bath or something like that. Like that ain't it. It's, it has to be, how are we going to help our community and our and our, my own people, the people closest to me, um, through this through this vehicle that he's given me. So that's been hands down the most rewarding and hands down the most challenging. But <laughs> nonetheless, it's, it's been both for sure. Wow, I love that putting people on mm-hmm. and you're seeing your family and friends be able to thrive through through something that God has given you. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. So, that's been the best part. Yeah. So what does Christ over culture mean to you? So you have talked about faith kind of just throughout this interview. 
Um, and so when I think about Christ over culture um, in my own life, I think about how God has led me and how mm-hmm. I'm able to incorporate him in everything that I do. And it sounds evident that you do that too. So how do you incorporate uh, faith in your business and in your life? What does Christ over culture mean to you? Yeah. So I think um, as far as my business is concerned, one of my prayers constantly is always for wisdom. It's not for things. It's not for this. It's not for that. It's just wisdom. I need all the wisdom I can get to be ahead of anything that's coming my way or to try to think creatively or, you know, best things to do, best things not to do. And I, and, I, and the Bible says that he would give us wisdom freely, you know? And so if that's what it is, I want all the wisdom I can get from him. And if I get, and if I get that from him on a routine basis, I know that I can make this thing continue to thrive um, because I have an insight and a line of wisdom that I'm getting from obviously from him. And so that's my way of making sure every day that I look up and try to be in tune as much as possible with whatever it is that he wants me to be doing and not try to operate off of emotion or off of, you know, money or anything else, but just saying, okay, Lord, give me wisdom. I'm trying to how to do this. Give me wisdom on, you know, what to do and what not to do. Give me wisdom on what to say and what not to say because people be trying it and they think because I'm a Christian that I don't got it. You know, I don't want you know, I don't want to be just, I don't want no problems, but at the same time, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. And so just constantly trying to, you know, use that wisdom is is my way of making sure that he stays at the forefront and always giving him the glory for everything because I don't care what anybody says about marketing or branding or expertise or, you know, whatever. This would not be happening if it wasn't for him. There's nothing, you know, special that I do that other people can't do. I got the same tools everybody else has. Some people have more knowledge than I have. And for some odd reason, the Lord has chosen to bless our firm and to allow this thing to just flourish in the way that it has when he could have done the same thing for any of these other, you know, attorneys around here. So I won't be the one that ever tries to take that glory from him and act like, oh, yes, because I was such and such. It ain't me. It ain't me. But I'm just down here trying to make sure I don't disappoint him because, you know, whatever you decide to do in next season, I just want to make sure I'm in the right spot. That's it. And so I think those two are my biggest things where I'm like, you know, the Lord knows if he blesses me with anything, he knows for a fact that I'm not going to try to take the glory for it. If for nothing else, he can trust me with that. Um as far as Christ over culture, I think is is very um, tempting is the wrong word, but it's very uh, what what could I say? Attractive? Not even. I think to some people it's attractive, and some people it's tempting. And for me, it's just kind of like it's 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 not. But I think it, it's a thing like alcoholism or a thing like uh, pornography or. Um, something like that, where some people have an addiction towards these things. I was just thinking about enticing. Yes, enticing, where some people have, um, or the the need for attention, and some people have a lack for that, or a deficit in that area, or an addiction, or weakness in that area, and so these things become enticing to them, to where this thing is tempting to jump onto it. So the silhouette challenge or the this challenge or the whatever challenges that are going on on social media or that culture is doing or this crazy universe stuff that people be doing, like all of these different things that people are tapping into. And it's seductive to some people where they're like, oh, that sounds about right. Let me go try to put some crystals in my bra or whatever. And it'd be like, girl, what are yeah. you doing? You yeah. know what I mean? But because they have 
they have a weakness or a deficit in that area, they're easily lured into these other things and they start putting culture over Christ. And it may be because they don't have the roots or they don't have that relationship with Christ or they don't have that strong of a muscle in that area to where they're, it, it easily led astray. And so Christ over culture for me is just saying, hey, I don't care how cute it is to walk around your house with that sage. We ain't staging over here. And so don't come over here with that. Don't ask me to trademark nothing that got to do with that. Like, it's just some things that we're not, I'm not about to tap dance onto that with you. Um, and so just keeping him at the top of that culture or at the top of our, you know, business and saying, hey, y'all can do this, but don't ask for my stamp on it, basically. Or don't ask for me to, you know, be in agreement with you. And that's not to say that we haven't trademarked things that, I don't necessarily, I'm not a fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of, I'm not, but you can't send me like a sponsor box and be like, hey, can you, don't bother sis, don't bother. Like, you know, respectfully, I'm straight. And so it's just making sure that, you know, you show people love, but at the same time, draw the line in the sand and say, that might be cute in culture right now, or, you know, in your lane or over there or whatever y'all got going on. But Christ is going to stay above all of that always over here. Thank you for sharing that. I, yeah. whew, it's a lot going yeah. on, right? We're, we have those weaknesses or we don't know. We just don't yeah. know. It can be easy to be like, oh, right. yeah, that's popular. Everybody's doing that. No matter right. if you have a relationship with Christ, grew up in the church or not, it's easy right. to, to waiver. So I'm glad you talked yeah. about and we don't know until we know, right? So if somebody yeah. doesn't, you know, make a live about it or put a, you know, a, did you know fact that this actually stemmed from whatever, you like, I didn't know that. You know what exactly. I mean? But we don't know until you dig into it and find, and find out for yourself where somebody stands up and says, hey, don't do that. And this is why we don't do that, you know? But if nobody says anything, we start doing it thinking that it was okay. So I'm not faulting people in a sense where it's just like, Y'all doing something stupid, you need to get over it. Ignorance is bliss. And I mean that in the lovingest way possible. When you don't know, you don't know. But the moment that you do, I expect you to do different. Yeah. And you know what? That's actually one of the reasons why I started this podcast to, you know, so that people can see other people talking about, yeah. hey, like this is an alternative. Hey, right. listen to this too. Like while there's all this you know, all these other platforms going on, we're a platform too. So yeah, you know, I hope that people can come here and be inspired and do research and look into those things so that we can learn and then act accordingly. So for sure. So Kiana, of course, this is Mm -hmm. Black History Month. I started off with that. So as we wrap up, I just want to know why is it important for Black people to file trademarks? What is the value in our community? Two things. White people have been stealing our stuff for a long time, okay? White people, and no shade to white folks. There's some good white people out there. However, white folks have been stealing our stuff for a long time. A very, very, very long time. And I always use the example of, like, Supercent. I don't know how many are super, Supercent. I don't know how to pronounce it right. But girl on Instagram that has, like, the crayon, Crayola box makeup. Yeah. And a big white label company went and, and just tried to copy the, the entire idea, you know? And it's just kind of like... Man, y'all act like we wasn't here. She had a huge following and y'all didn't mind going in and trying to mimic the whole concept, you know, and you can't trademark ideas. You can only trademark, obviously, brands and marks and um, logos and things like that. But it's still the, the audacity to try to come in and swipe something so obviously and think that it wasn't going to be a problem. And so if for no other reason, 
I encourage people to trademark things for legacy's sake. I encourage you to trademark things to make sure that you can say, I was here, right? I left my mark. I created something that may outlast me, um, but I may be able to pass this thing down to my children or my children's children. And it's something that I created and left here and it, it, and it has stood the test of time. But if you don't and, and you allow this thing to just fester and it does bubble into something, but you're you know not passionate about it enough or not disciplined enough, and then some other big, huge church picks it up 14,000 miles away and they now got it on a conference T-shirt and they've made books about it. And you like that. That was that was me. And the, and the Lord was like, it, it was. Mm-hmm. And you ain't getting that with it. You know what I mean? And this is yeah. kind of like, how mad can you really be at that point when he gave it to you first and you decided not to do nothing with it? So. Again, for legacy sake, for me, it's a huge thing to just be able to say, I was here. You know what I mean? I did this. He gave me this. And this is what I did with it as a result of him giving me this idea or this, you know, this project or this this concept. Um, But it furiates my soul to see why people steal things from African-Americans, again, which has been going on from the conception of this country. But at this stage in the game. We are wise enough, we have resources, we have the ability to now play the game too. And now that we do, I don't want anybody getting caught up like that. I'm here for it. (laughs) This is the end of the podcast. I'm like, I could literally sit here and talk to you all day, but uh, if there are people who want to know more, all the wisdom you shared, you know, just the discernment, the the being able to determine where you draw the line, being able to trademark, just everything that you have to offer. If there are people who want to continue to learn more about you, your work, hear what you have to say, where can they find you? So Instagram is my number one hangout spot. <laughs> on, on Instagram is Kiana the lawyer on Instagram, K-Y-O-N-A, um, the lawyer. And I'm there every day, all day. And then obviously our, our website is trademarkmystuff.com. Awesome. Well, definitely you guys, I hope that you have taken a lot away from this, from a spiritual side, from a legacy, you know, perspective, family, being able to protect, you know, the, the, the concepts and the ideas that God has given you when you're ready. So yeah, share this episode with someone, rewind it, take notes yeah. because it is a true gem. So thank you, Kiana. Thank you. Uh, I have truly enjoyed this time together and you guys can catch all things Christ over culture, anything that you are looking for on Christoverculture.com. You can check out the podcast at Christ over culture uh, on Instagram, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as Google and Stitcher. So check us out. And I hope that you guys trademark your stuff. Yes. (laughs) That you have a great year and um, move forward on the things that God has given you. Love you. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.